You're listening to an all-new episode of Self-Made Strategies. Visit selfmadestrategies.com for new episodes, information about our guests, and a whole lot more. On this episode, we sat down with Sarah Ohanisan. Sarah says that outwardly, she was on top of her career, running a multi-million dollar business respected by her peers. However, inside, her stress had gotten out of control. She lived to work, was exhausted, and felt weak. She was missing family events and had been diagnosed with chronic insomnia. So she needed to figure out how to get back to being her normal Sarah self. That's why she created a simple system to get back control of her day and life. Guess what? It worked. She started accomplishing more, leaving the office during daylight, and running a sustainable race towards success. Now she's helping busy professionals do the same and is here with us to help you do the same for yourself. Sarah will help you get from survival mode to smart business leader ASAP. If you need to get more done, Sarah's your gal. She's a CMO turned productivity coach. She knows what feeling overwhelmed is like versus that feeling of accomplishment, fulfillment, and joy you might be able to find every day. Sarah's goal is to get you from burnout to loving what you do. If this sounds like you, leaving work late without an ounce of energy or mental capacity left for your family, then Sarah should be your next call or email if you're not into the whole calling people. The struggle you feel between work and home life is real, and Sarah knows how to fix it. Make sure you listen all the way through to the end of the episode because Sarah has a special offer as a thank you for listening to this episode. Here are the self-made strategies of Sarah Ohanisan. Really psyched to do this discussion. I think productivity is something that everyone struggles with, quite frankly. I myself definitely struggle with that. So there's going to be a little bit of self-fulfillment here while we record this episode as we talk about being more productive for getting more out of your day. I did see when, when we booked time, I was looking at your website and I noticed that you do a lot of sessions where people can book a sort of power hour where you'll block off time for them to get work done. So I'm excited to also discuss that and get into the details of how that works. I was imagining this whole thing where you're just helping people block off time basically and saying, here's your hour. I'm just going to sit here in silence. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, let's go back to the beginning though, because I think the, your journey into so productive, the organization that you've created is a really interesting one. So let's start with that. What was that moment that something triggered and you said, you know what, this is it. I'm starting my own brand. I'm going in a different direction. Yeah. So about two or three years ago, I really felt this calling to help other people get more done because we we really are so stressed out at work and we're facing burnout. And I knew that I could help people clarify their thoughts, organize their work and take action so they could have really the the freedom to do what they want. So two or three years ago, I'm a busy CMO. I'm helping to run a multi-million dollar company. I'm traveling the world because we have clients and customers all over the world. And I was sitting at the airport one day and the woman said to me, you know, we're just sitting at the at the bar before the flight and I'm grabbing a bite to eat. And she says, where are you going? And I look at her and I said, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> like, was I on a business trip? Was I on vacation? I literally didn't know anymore. And that was a moment for me that I thought something's got to change because I really don't know 
where I'm going or what I'm doing and business life and, and home life and family life are all the same. I'm, I'm always like kind of mixed up in these things. So I decided to create a system and a productivity system that would allow me and my team to get more done. And it worked. And I started leaving the office during daylight and really what I call running a sustainable race towards success. So I got that going. And then I thought, you know, this is something that I can really help other people with. I can, I can, this can be really a legacy that I leave to the world that I'm changing how we relate to work and allowing people to have more time with the people that they love. So I launched my business and here we are. That's awesome. Really, really cool. So I, I think a lot of people can relate that to that. I myself can relate to that for sure. I mean, I'm running my firm. We're doing a lot of podcast productions, both for other individuals and for myself. And all of these things just blur together, unfortunately, in the world that we live in, right? It, it's You can't get away from it anymore because your emails are populating on your phone. I was actually, I was talking to a buddy of mine and I won't out who it is because he listens to the show, but I was talking to him the other day while we were we were going out for a round of golf just to kind of get our mind off of things. And on our drive over to the course, he was saying that, um, you know, his dream vacation is to just take a first class flight to Asia and back because then at least he knows for 30 hours, he would literally be completely unaccessible and he could just sit there, you know, watching a movie, take a nap and just have to shut everything off while you're traveling to and from. He, he said, literally yes. fly to the airport, turn around, <laughs> jump on another plane and fly back. That would be a dream vacation. Isn't that terrible? But, yeah. it's, but it's true. And nowadays we used to be able to go on vacation, right? You would say, I'm going on vacation. And that meant something like you're off the grid. I have sat at the pool at a resort countless times working. My husband's done the same. And so I think that's something else that really led me to want to start this business is we shouldn't feel like that flight is the only chance I have to right. be alone and to not be accessible and to not be working. Right. Right. So this is about setting boundaries as really helping people to, to find uh, time in their day to relax and unwind. <laughs> it's important. That's awesome. Awesome. Okay. So let's talk about why priorities are important, right? Why you know, what are the pain points around not having your priorities in order and why those things are important to becoming productive? Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's there's so much to un unpack here. So we all have so much to do, but we feel like we can't get it all done, right? And everything looks like it's weighted equally. So we look at this laundry list of to-do items and just feel this sense of complete overwhelm. I have all these things to do, and that leads to anxiety, stress, and burnout. So that concept of there's so much to do is really, really one thing that I try to help people overcome. The other thing is when we have this laundry list of things that we have to do, a lot of things are vague and we're not sure what to do next. So you work on a little bit of this and a little bit of that, but you're not really getting anything done because you're sort of dabbling in everything and we're we're never really finishing tasks to completion all the way through. So that's really one of the biggest challenges is this huge list of all these things to do is really making us feel very overwhelmed. Um, one of the other major factors is that we really struggle to say no. So high achieving people, uh, people pleasers, <laughs> 
type A's. I'm guilty of this myself. This is really, really hard. And so we often feel like a bad person if we say no. And, you know, I do a lot of work with people on this and some of the most successful in the people in the world, they're successful because they can say no. And you can say no in a very kind way. So that's another major challenge. Um, The other is people using their email list and they say, I'm drowning in my inbox. My inbox is overwhelming. Well, here's something to remember from today, a key takeaway. Your email is not your to-do list. And that is a big thing for people and that's hard. Um, so a yeah. lot of people are, are are using that. And then the final really large, you know, kind of piece of why priorities are so important is that when we're working on all of these things, overwhelm sets in because what happens is you're working on things that are not in your zone of genius. You're working on things that you're not good at. Maybe you're very overqualified to be doing. It's just not natural for you. So when you're working in that space, it's very easy to get overwhelmed. Where when you're working in a space on things that you're great at, I mean, you are thriving. You are in flow. It's natural. You're good at it. I mean, you could do it all day long and it wouldn't feel like work. So that's another reason why setting priorities is so important is because when you're getting the right things done and the things that you are thriving at, you're you're never going to feel overwhelmed in that space. When you're dabbling in all of these things that make you feel productive and really aren't in your wheelhouse, it can lead to overwhelm very quickly. And I think that's a nuance a lot of people miss. They don't really know that that's happening. Yeah. And that's true. And going back to one of your points about your email not being your list of priorities and not your to-do list. That's something that we all fall into. I mean, I'm super guilty of that one because especially with respect to my firm, which quite frankly is sort of my main revenue generator, right? That's that's the main way that I make money, even though I have a couple of other side projects going on. So when I get an email on my firm's email, I feel like I have to jump and quickly respond to that. And it's very, it, it is difficult at times because as professionals, especially as service providers, you find that you know speed is kind of the one of your your easy ways to gain an advantage over your competition and provide more value to your clients. Quite frankly, mm-hmm. I, I'm terrible because I respond to text messages, I respond to phone calls, I respond to emails that clients send me almost at all hours. I mean, borderline, you know, 27, not 24/7 because I like to get at least four <laughs> hours of sleep in. But, you know, probably around seriously around 20 hours a day within the span of, you know, you get up at 8 a.m. And I might answer an email or respond to something sometimes at 12 or 1 because that's just when I can get finally back around to responding to an email and I'm trying to be super responsive. It's so tough. I, I tell friends of mine all the time. Look, like 24-hour response time on an email is totally acceptable and, and really not that bad. That's actually a fairly good response time. But at the same time, societally, especially in the US, we we just have gone way off the rails, right? Where people almost expect they treat emails now like text messages in a lot of ways. Oh, and they exactly. expect you to drop everything and respond to their email, right? Yeah. And then you get that, I emailed you. Did you get it? <laughs> yeah, you emailed me at seven o'clock last night yeah. and it's 7 a.m. It's okay. Yeah. And I haven't responded just yet. And a lot of that is where that guilt happens. Yeah. It's not necessarily that the person on the other end expects you to get back to them in 24 hours. And if you do, if you're emailing someone, 
you know, hi, Tony, I really need an answer within 24 hours. That's fine. Right. Tell the person, manage that expectation. The problem sets in when we think we need to respond to that email right away. And we're putting that pressure on ourselves so often. Yeah. Um, I often tell, you know, bosses, one way to do this is to schedule your emails. You can be emailing at all hours of the night. You know, if, if your brain is working and you're on or you can't sleep, all right, send out a couple emails. It might make you feel better. But don't stress out your team members by sending things at 10 p.m. Schedule them to send tomorrow yeah. morning at 10 a.m. And, and that's yeah. better for everybody. Yeah. So a lot of this is around managing expectations and just setting some boundaries. This yeah. is when you can expect to hear back from me. And most of the time, that's fair. Yeah, I've actually apologized to my paralegal. I've apologized to other other people that I work with on projects sometimes for, you know, sorry for the late text, sorry for the late email. We had this whole website issue, which I won't get into on, on this podcast, but we had this whole thing where a developer crashed our website on this project that we're working on. And I was, it was a 48 hour crisis because our, our website was literally destroyed and, and the SSL certificate was gone and all these things. So I was like struggling to work with the host to reset the site. That didn't work. Tried to literally wiped and deleted everything, started over. All these problems took 48 hours to resolve. Finally at 2 a.m., right? You know, kind of on the back end of the 48 hour <laughs> crisis. I finally find a resolution because we hired a developer on Fiverr that was overseas in India, and he was able to just pop up a nice looking, you know, under construction kind of thing for us. And I send a text to my colleagues and I was like, sorry for the late text, but I'm so excited we finally got something up. But yeah, I'm I'm super guilty of that as well. And I, I do tell people I apologize because sometimes I just brain dump onto, you know, email or text message, you know, we got to get this, 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 and this done. And you just, you kind of forget, but, but I agree with you. This also leads to a lot of communication breakdown, a lot of anger, a lot of frustration, a lot of anxiety. And sometimes it dehumanizes us as well among our teams, right? And doesn't, doesn't create a good atmosphere. So I couldn't agree with you more that if we're more aware and we're more conscious of, well, the person on the other end has a life. Yeah. And they are trying to also get through all of their things and they don't schedule things the same way that you do, you know, that that can be helpful. Right. But absolutely. And sometimes I think that little step of saying, please, can you respond by this time? Or I know I'm emailing you at 10 p.m. Don't worry about it until tomorrow afternoon. You know, just that simple act of adding a sentence or two about your expectation and, and the expectation back is is so valuable. And that's yeah. just a communication piece that gets missed quite often. Yeah. And, and real quick, because we're getting stuck on this one already. But, <laughs> <laughs> but real quick, one of the things also that I found, and again, super guilty, I'm speaking of myself, but I know other friends and entrepreneurs and colleagues that go through this. And that is, we have all of this information swirling in our brain, right? And you, unfortunately, it's human nature, we have this presumption that other people automatically know all of the details in your brain and you don't download them to someone else in a very simplistic and and organized fashion a lot of times. Mm -hmm. So I have found that it's always best to assume that the other, politely and diplomatically, that the other individual doesn't know anything going into the project and just say, stop me if I'm saying something that you know because often we'll say, hey, we need da-da-da-da-da done. 
and that's it. And, and for me, like that's how my brain works. I, I have a project or an assignment to do for a client and I have to figure out how to get it done. And that's just how, as you were saying, maybe I wouldn't call myself type A personally, but there are moments I think where we all go back and forth between type A and certain things and then not in other things. And it's just that, you know, a client has a problem. I have to resolve it. So I have to go off and figure out how to get it done. And th- my brain has kind of gotten into that muscle memory of that's how things go. But other individuals that you work with don't always work that way, right? Some people need more direction. Some people need less direction. And often you'll say, we need this project done. Go figure it out. And the person's just left kind of bewildered. You know, where do I go and how do I start this? So, yeah, it's all in line yeah. with this with this whole topic of conversation. So for this is sure. going to be a therapy session for me. So sorry. <laughs> but. Let it all out. I'm a coach. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> all right. So, so this is a big one for me. And, and I have been sort of gamifying this for myself. I, uh, I'll just list some of the things that I do. Uh, and, and the question is going to be about how to get more priorities done. But I'll talk a little bit about what I do. And then you'll, you'll talk about all the reasons that I'm doing it all wrong. <laughs> but we'll get into that. So, so, you know, I'm a lawyer full time. I teach at Temple. Uh, I only teach one class a semester. So let's not all get crazy that, you know, I'm doing like a bazillion things. One class a semester, it, it's work. It's a lot of work. And I really, really care a lot about my students and, and their growth. Um, but okay. So I do that. I do self-made strategies. Obviously I'm actually starting another podcast cause I, I didn't have enough on my plate. Um, where we started an organization, myself and two other colleagues, where we're producing probably 20 podcasts in the course of the next three to six months. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that at, at some other time, but not ready for announcement just yet. And, and, and then on top of that, my, my friend and colleague, Mike Leary of 115 Films, he and I are, are producing a couple of non, nonprofit podcasts as well. So we have a ton going on. So I'm always, and plus I love listening to my own podcasts. I love audiobooks. I just love, love, love learning new things, which can be a curse. And, you know, I gamify these things, right? I'm like, okay, I have a bazillion things that I want to get done. I keep adding more and more to the plate, which is a bad habit, as you said. But, you know, I started to think like, well, the only way to get through this is to start doubling down. So, you know, if I want to listen to an audiobook, it has to happen while I'm working out, while I'm uh, doing the dishes, while I'm cooking, while, while I'm doing something else that doesn't require like the entirety of my brain to be focused on mm-hmm. that. If I'm going to be, you know, recording a, uh, a podcast episode, I try to time block it with other things. Which, like today, before this episode, I mean, you can attest we were a little late starting this because I had an equipment issue. And that's that's the problem, though, is you put too much pressure on your schedule and then one tiny thing goes off and all the dominoes fall, right? So, um, and I'm, I'm a little bit, com- I'm more comfortable with failure than I think most people are probably at this point in my life. But it, it's it's a lot of spinning plates, right? So, so what are your best practices for how we can get our priorities done? Yes. So there is a lot we can talk about here. First of all, I think what one of the things you said is so critical. I love it. I love what I'm doing. Right. I love this. I yes. love that. That's critical, right? Because if you're doing what you love and you're in your zone of genius and you're happy, 
that's everything, right? You might never get stressed, burned out, overwhelmed because you're in that space. What we can tend to do over time is that we take on all these things we feel like we're supposed to do. One of the things, words I hear all the time is I should. And should is really a trap. I should be doing this. I should be doing this. I should be the soccer coach. I should be running the PTO right. meeting. I should be the perfect neighbor. Right. I should be cooking gourmet homemade meals. I should be spending more time with no my carbs. kids. I should be spending more time with my family. Right. All of those things. Yeah. So I think the should can get us into trouble. What you said, though, again, you love it, is really, really important. So one of the things I walk clients through is what I call a priorities ladder. And it feels a little woo-woo and it gets a little bit deep, but I think it's really vital to have a clear vision of where are you going, right? Like what's your life's purpose and goals? And, and that's how you set your priorities. If you know that you're on a path to X, Y, Z, and that's your life's purpose, Making the decisions on what you're going to work on today and next week is a lot easier because you know where you're headed. And I get that sense from you. You have a plan. You know where you're going. You know what's important to you. And that's kind of that North Star that can that can guide us. I, I couldn't agree with you more, but I will say this. This is very recent for me, right? Because... I've always had a passion for production and and uh, I didn't, unfortunately, I just didn't know that I had that passion until the end of law school, which is the worst <laughs> time to figure out that your passion is not necessarily in being a lawyer. Although, <laughs> uh, although I, I, I tell my students this a lot and, and uh, I'll kind of, I won't say anyone's name, but I'll, I'll call out the fact that, you know, they'll reach out and say, hey, you know, I'd love to pick your brain about law school and the whole nine yards. And I will say unequivocally that the first words out of my mouth are, I don't think you should go to law school unless you really have a purpose in mind because That's it's, it. it's ultra expensive. It's, it's very taxing on you mentally and emotionally. Quite frankly, lawyers are assholes. Sorry, I'm going to say that. <laughs> and, you know, so dealing with all of those individuals can be really difficult. It's a really tough experience. And Look, if you really are passionate about litigation, I don't know why anybody would be, but if you are <laughs> really passionate about litigation, then yes, okay, fine. Law school's for you. I'm not going to say that that's not for you. Me personally, I went in with laser focus on this is a means to an end. And I know if anyone's listening to this and you find that offensive, tough, I'm telling the truth about my own experience. So, um, you know, that that is what it is, but but it was a means to an end in the sense that I wanted to do something entrepreneurial. I always had that passion, but didn't know how to kind of rejigger my career path to get there. And I, I saw this, the law is kind of an inherently entrepreneurial career path. If you look at it that way, you can hang a shingle anywhere as long as you pass the bar. And it, it also gives you a leg up because you learn about contract clauses and you learn how to negotiate contracts and you have this extra bit of knowledge that can give you a leg up. Tail end of law school is when I start to get this itch that this wasn't exactly right and that uh, I end up working with some friends, a very long story that I won't tell here, on this uh, indie project in, in the Philly area. And it was a movie with no budget and I just started little by little kind of building my role as a producer within that, that grouping. And then I was just sucked in. And so then, you know, go off and practice law. And I kind of come back to, to this 
And I think you're right that when you're super passionate about something, it helps you to start just like a machete chopping things away, right? Because if they don't fit and they're not a part of that puzzle for you, you're not going to do them. But I also, I also know from my own experience that this is extremely recent for me, that I'm in a phase where it's like, you know, there are very finite things that I want to do. I know I only have limited time, so I'm going to put those on the priority list. But ask me that same question five years ago, and I would have said, well, I don't know. I want to do this, and I want to do this, and this, and this, and this, and this. So that's, that's you know, and maybe you were getting to that, and I apologize if I cut you off, but but that's sort of where the rubber meets the road for me, right? Because I sort of happened into it accidentally in a way. But, you know, what, what's your advice to people who are just all over the place and have, they yeah. want to do everything? For, for sure. And, you know, I hate to have, here's a harsh reality, right? I'm just right. going to give it to you. Right. You can't. Yeah. You can't do everything. You can't be great at everything. Nobody is. And to be really good at something means you have to focus in and hone in at some point. It doesn't mean that you can't have other hobbies and interests, but at some point, it really really is important for the sake of your sanity and your time right. to be able to have that North Star. So I really use life's purpose as this North Star kind of concept. Generally, where are we headed? And I do some trainings for high school kids on a, on a regular basis. And I make sure to let them know, I'm not saying in high school, you're setting your path and it can never change, right? Because it's going to change 25 times. Sure. Yeah. Even for yeah. us, it's still going to change quite a bit. But the point is that it's guiding you and it's helping you to make those critical decisions on what to work on next and set the priorities. So with the life's purpose sort of being out there guiding you, it's really important to break down five-year priorities, one-year goals, projects, that's what we're working on right now, and then tasks, those are the things we're working on today. Those are actionable things that we can accomplish. And those, of course, have to get onto your calendar so you have time to work on them. But that's how I really guide clients through that. And that five-year, one-year stuff, that can change often. I mean, the phone might ring for you on Monday with a brand new opportunity you weren't expecting and you want to take that. So I don't want this priorities ladder to be something that puts you in a bind and you feel like, oh gosh, I already committed to this. I can never change. It's not that. It's really just meant to be along when you're looking at your big to-do list and saying, okay, I need to pick three things to work on. Based on what I'm, where I'm headed and what I want, what do I really want? And I know that because I've been through this priorities ladder exercise, I can easily pick what am I going to do today to help get me there. So it just is a way to kind of pick Pick your top priorities from the long, the long list. No, that's smart. It really is. I, I, I do have a mentor that I've been meeting with for years on a consistent basis. And we're just getting to the point where a few weeks ago, he said to me, you know, here's what I want you to do. Literally every day, sit down and just mind map, meaning just free association, no, no editing, just dump everything in your brain for five minutes a day that you want to do anything and everything that you want to do. And I'm still going. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm still dumping onto that list. And yeah. and, he, and he did say he's like, look, you're you're going to be dumping that out for a while, but then once you have all this laid out in front of you, then we can do something with it, right? Exactly. Because wh while it's just swirling around in your head, it, it's just it just pops up on occasion, you know. Oh, I should go do this. You know, I want to learn how to play that instrument or whatever yeah. it is. And well, um, it's this tough. Is 
Yeah, this is one of my favorite topics, actually. So I'm really glad you, you went there because one of the things that I see, and I call this the hangover, is that we have these things that are just hanging in our head. Like, I want to do that. I want to do that. Maybe I'll do this. And when it's in your head, it is giving you a hangover. It is making you tired, exhausted, yeah. possibly in physical pain. Yeah. And, and you're just, it's swirling around, not, not really it's, it's wasting your energy. You're not doing anything with it. So I have a very similar thing I recommend to clients is that every, every day is ideal, but if they can't to spend a little bit time on Friday, brain dumping, getting it all out of your head. Again, your, your, your coach is exactly right. Like getting it out into whatever format you need to get it out. And I call that the idealist. And this is a really critical thing. That idealist can go on forever. If you're someone who's a high idea producer like I am, I am getting ideas all day. I go for a walk, I have 25 ideas that are that are pretty decent, right? But I cannot implement all of them, I cannot. Yeah. So when we have this huge list of things, it's like one great, we got it out of our head, but now we're sitting with it going, oh gosh, I'm never gonna get all this stuff done. And you feel like a failure. So what I recommend people do is they take that huge list, which I call the idea list, and they just keep brain dumping onto it. That Hmm. list should go on forever. And I have books I want to read. I have um, ideas for my business. I have blogs I want to write. So this restaurants I want to try. I mean, all kinds of things on this idea list are all divided up and organized, but I dump. I just put stuff there for later. Then what I do to actually get things done is I have an action list. And the items that I pull off the idea list onto the action list are things that I can do. I have the skills, I have the tools, and I have the resources to actually get those things done. I can literally take action. Those are the things that become priorities. I love that, actually. I I think it's a really great idea. I I was actually going to ask, how often are you going back to your idea list and saying, you know, it's time to take some of these and put them onto your action list? And how how often do you edit that list? Yeah, all the time. So sometimes I go back and think, well, that wasn't isn't relevant anymore, or that maybe was an idea for then, but it's no longer relevant. So I clean those up on a on a regular basis, but they're very long, robust lists, I must say, because I come up with a lot of ideas. But what <laughs> happens is when I go down to sit down and write a blog or an email, I have a list of things that I go to that I wanted to talk about. So I'm not sitting there going, oh, what, what should I write about today? No, I go over to my idea list. I've got all these ideas for great blogs and I can easily now take action on them. And then writing the blog is what goes on my action list. Now, do you find that, that the majority of the people that you're working with are type A, hyper-organized people, or, or do you have more ADHD style all over the place? <laughs> like everything's in here and I need to... I need help getting it out of my head, right, um, onto paper so that we can do something with it. Yeah. What's your balance in terms of people that you work with? I have seen all of it. Um, and I think that's what's cool about being a coach is that you're able to present these ideas, but then really help a client implement personally. And I think that's where one of the things that really sets me apart is there's so much information about productivity out there. There are wonderful books and wonderful podcasts and wonderful trainings. And I I love all this stuff, but it's very hard for people to know 
well, my brain doesn't work that way, or I, I don't really know how to implement that for me. And that's where I can really help you is to say, okay, that particular practice isn't really working for you. Let's try this approach instead. Because productivity is not one size fits all. This is different for all of us. Yeah. Some people are in customer service. They do need to respond to emails right away. Other people, they might not be able to need to go into their email more than twice a day, and that's okay. And so I don't want to give these blanket statements for people on, this is exactly how you should do this because it might not work for you. And so I really try to help people understand what's going to work for your brain, what's going to work for your work and your lifestyle, and then let's implement these productivity practices that are good are good for you specifically. Now, you you when we were preparing for this episode in the in the outline you talked about asking good questions. What do you mean by asking good questions when we're talking about setting our goals and prioritizing? Yeah. So one of the things that I have in my in my productivity system is the is called COAT, which is clarify, organize, action and take time. Clarifies the first one, and that's about asking questions. So one of the things I see happen all the time is the boss comes in and says, this is what we're going to do. And the employee says, great, okay. Like, And then the boss leaves and the employee's sitting there going, wait, what is this exactly? <laughs> what do I do? <laughs> like they don't, they don't you, know. And you're afraid. You're afraid to go back to said boss often to, to ask for clarification. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a really good time to say, okay, you know, question a little bit. Why, why are we doing that? Does this, back to that priorities letter, does this align with the goals of the business? Is this going to help the client? And here's a critical question. When is it due? <laughs> that one is missed Seriously. all the time. Yes, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And I say, you know, if it's, if it's, Dates drive action. And if you want it done, it really needs a, a due date. So that's a great question. Um, do you have what you need to take action on it? Do you have the, the resources and the tools? And is it going to move the needle for you and your business and your career? Um, and then another big question to ask is, what result do you want most right now? What do you want? No, that's great. Yeah. And it's also, aside from being fantastic from a communication perspective, um, it's also great from a sort of diffusing any potential harmful situation later, because you can then say, you know, we need to have this discussion because we're not on the same page. You said mm -hmm. that you wanted X, Y, Z by said date. And now you're saying you wanted something else. So we need to figure out a better way to communicate between the two of us so that we can get to those goals and objectives that you want. Yeah, exactly. And don't be shy to ask those questions. People get really nervous about because they feel as if it's pushback. It's really not. You're not pushing back. You're clarifying. And that yeah. distinction can change how you feel about asking those questions. And I think you're right in the sense that it's also very empowering at a later time, right? The first few times that you do it, it's like anything else that's new, right? You're going to feel a little uncomfortable, a little funky, you know, kind of asking for clarification. It's not something that you hear in like normal, you know, everyday conversational speech. So asking that could be a little tough at first, but it's like double dutch, you know, the two ropes are swinging at you and you, once you get in there, you're, you're in the flow of things. So you just have to do it and get a couple reps in and then it becomes part of your everyday practice, right? And then you start to see 
things just becoming clearer for everyone around exactly. you and hopefully yeah. helping you to be more at peace. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. One really last question I'll leave you with on that point is when you're wrapping up a meeting, you can say, I just want to make sure we were in the same meeting. You're going to do this. I'm going to do this. Are we clear on that? And here's yes. the deadlines. And that is such a, you're not saying, Tony, you really explained that poorly. And I don't know what in the world you're talking about. No, you're saying, I'm just checking in that we're on the same page. And that, exactly that really right. shifts it from being like, I'm blaming you or uh, I'm defensive. You know, that equation comes off the table because you're just making sure you've got it right. Preach on because that is the ultimate bureaucracy killer, by the way. Just before we leave this room, does everyone know what they're doing? You know, yeah. what's your what's your action items? What are your action items? What are my action items? Assume nothing and exactly. your life will be so much better. Yeah. If you could get rid of the assumptions. No one's a mind reader. Yeah, absolutely. Right. That's that honestly, I think, you know, looking back at my my career before going off on my own, a lot of times conflicts with superiors or managers or even colleagues at the same level or people who are, you know, um, lower than you in the corporate chain of things um, is often because of that, because we all had a different presumption about what was supposed to be the outcome, what the deliverables were supposed to be, who was supposed to do what, who was responsible for what. And that also leads to one thing that's terrible for people like us, I think, or, or type A people, or especially entrepreneurs out there. We have a horrible tendency of having that mentality of you want something done right, you have to do it yourself. And that is a recipe for disaster and a slippery, slippery scale, a slippery, slippery slope to being in a position where, yeah, now all of a sudden you're doing everything and you don't have time or mental capacity, emotional health to be able to literally do everything that, that happens in your world, right? You have to rely on other people. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, you know, it's funny, the term put your mask on first has taken on a new, uh, a new flavor, but I'm, I'm referencing the airplane, right? So right. the masks come down and you put your mask on first before you help other people. And it's really the same with being an entrepreneur. You know, if you're trying to do everything, you're trying to help everyone and save everyone, you're not going to be any good. Yep. And so it's really about figuring out what you're going to delegate figuring out what you can automate and figuring out what you don't have to do at all. I call this uh, delete, direct, and delegate, the three Ds here, because it's it's critical that you're working on the things that only you can be working on, that you're good at, because the team or the clients you have, they need you to be your best self, not burned out, stressed, and overwhelmed. You are not going to present your best self if that's how you're how you're living. And so when you can do these uh, delete, direct, and delegate activities, you're really going to be in a great a great zone yourself and yeah. working on the things that only you can work on. Now, let's talk a little bit about what I think is one of the warning signs, and I'll get your opinion. One of the warning signs that communication has now broken down, and you're probably on the negative side of the scale where things are headed in a really bad direction, is if anyone at any time says the words, I just want to. Because mm. if you're saying, I just want to, like, I just want you to work a little harder, or I just want this to be completed without me having to be involved in it, whatever it is, that is in the English language, one of the worst ways to start a sentence, because it I means you're, you're now, you're now especially creating a, a, a dividing point where it's, 
I just want to, you know, have you be more productive. And you're separating yourself from your team in a lot of ways. I, I'm speaking from experience, obviously, where I've had, you know, <laughs> uh, individuals who are above me say, I just wanted this. And then usually they kind of sit back with their arms crossed in this funny, like goofy position. And it's like, yeah, well, listen, why don't we go to lunch and talk about what what our different positions are? And usually their response is no, it's because there's been a communication breakdown breakdown and now we're in trouble. And, and so for me, from my experience, if you hear yourself saying the words, first of all, if you're using personal pronouns a lot to begin with, there's already a problem because in your mind, the track that is playing is all about you at this point. And mm-hmm. Copernicus called, the universe <laughs> is not flowing around you. So, you know, it's time to reset and kind of either talk to somebody like Sarah and, and kind of go see a therapist if necessary. And um, and maybe just kind of get back on track with, okay, what do I need, what do I need to do? to fix my part of this, right? And and to get us back in a place where we're a team again and all yeah. rowing in the same direction. Yeah, and this is hard because this comes down to releasing control. And if you're an entrepreneur, especially, and, or you've, you've created your business, it's your baby, this is hard, hard work. And I work very deeply with clients. I have a client I'm working with right now through this exact issue and, She's saying to me, I have to do that. I have to. And I'm saying, well, why do you have to? And and what's blocking you from giving that to someone else? One thing is to think of it as you're giving someone else an opportunity. You're being a great leader by helping someone right. else learn that skill or develop right. that, that part of their work. So I think we we block ourselves because we think our egos get in the way. I have to do this. I'm the best at this. Maybe someone else has a different perspective or a right. different skill set that could actually make it better. And that's 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 challenging. That's a lot of openness that you need to uh, be ready to receive. And um, it takes a while for people to get there, but it's amazing when it happens. Yeah, there's a there's a, a quote and I'm going to butcher it a little bit because I'm going to paraphrase, but it's from the book Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind. If you've never listened to it, it's a great book about, you know, just thinking from the Zen perspective, I won't get in all of that. Go listen to the book or read the book if if you're interested. And the quote is, in the mind of the beginner, the uh, opportunities are many or the uh, options are many, right? In the mind of the expert, they're usually few, if not none. It's something along those lines. I'm butchering it for sure. It's a lot more uh, poetic in the book. <laughs> but essentially, it's the idea that we often think that we've achieved some, especially in the West, in, in the U.S. particularly, we're very guilty of you have to be the expert at whatever. I mean, lawyers are really, really bad at this, right? <laughs> they think they're smarter than everybody else when they're not. Um, you have to be the expert and you have to be the master of whatever it is. You got to put in your 10,000, your 20,000, your 100,000 hours doing something to be really good at it, right? That's the American way. It's not. When when you achieve true mastery is when you begin to understand that life is all about continual learning and continual editing and change, right? that's, That's just the way it is. You never reach the pinnacle. It's all about the journey and continuing to climb and realizing your weaknesses and kind of readjusting. And that's a problem too, right? That that we, especially those of us who, who, as you were saying, think to ourselves, for me to get this done right, I've got to do it myself. I can't rely on my employees. That means you're failing as a leader. 
right? Exactly. And and I don't even mean that in a negative way. I know we associate failure with this negative thing rather than with growth, but it's all about realizing that it's incumbent upon you, as you said, to get up and say, I need to be a good leader. I need to figure out how to motivate these people, not have the expectation that they show up motivated and ready to, you know, take on whatever with me. There's something wrong with that, right? For sure. I think the role of the leader is to really cast a vision and then help the team get there. Right. I think that's just critical. And again, this, a lot of this comes back to, to strong communication. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So let's talk about getting comfortable saying no. This is one that I'm terrible. I'm terrible at all of these things, but this is one that I'm really bad at. And I've gotten better in recent years. And in part, because my vision is starting to to get, you know, I must've had corrective vision surgery at some point where now I can kind of see my North star a little bit better and not just the entirety of the galaxy around me. Um, so, so how do we get to that position in a good and diplomatic way where we can start, especially if we're yes people that say yes to a lot of things, take on a lot of opportunities. What's the way, the best way, your best practices for correcting someone from that? Yeah. And this is where having that, 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 uh, priorities ladder in place and kind of knowing where you're headed, knowing what's on your plate right now. So the the biggest reason to have that action list is to know these are my priorities for this week. This is what I'm working on. So when something else comes in, you're not just saying, yes, I've got no plan for the week. Of course I can do that thing. You're saying, okay, I, if I want that thing, because it's important to me, this is a great opportunity. This is going to advance my career or my business. You're now judging it against the things that you had already committed to. And something's got to come off for that to slot in, right? This is a puzzle piece. And I think when we when we don't have a plan or a vision, it's very easy to say yes to all these things. And then we're sort of doing half, half of them well and a quarter of them terribly and the rest, whatever. But when we can say, I'm going to say no to something to say yes to this, that decision-making process becomes very conscious. If I'm going to you know, make dinner for my family tonight, I cannot take a 6 p.m. meeting. I'm sorry. That's a non-negotiable for me. I always have dinner with my family. Or I'm going to skip this one dinner. You know, My husband can cook dinner tonight. And I'm going to take that 6 o'clock meeting because... I just met this person and this is a wonderful opportunity. So by having a, a schedule and a plan, it's so much easier to sort of say, is this is this worth it? Am I going to take something off my plate to make room for this? Because you only have so much space in your day and your time. And I think you actually subtextually bring up something really interesting that, there. And that is that having a good support system certainly helps. Like you talked about your husband being able to help. If you've got something important, you can go and ask, you know, for him to step up and cook dinner that night. But also back again to everything is communication at the end of the day, right? It is. Going, communicating that to your support people. And, and we mean support people in the sense of the people in your lives that you kind of depend on to be there for you, right? Your family, your, your closer friends, it's okay for us to be vulnerable and say to a close friend, hey, you know, I'm going through a really tough time. Do you mind if I just kind of talk it through with you? Or, you know, I have this really important meeting a few nights from now during our normal dinner time or whatever, you know, could we 
could we schedule a drink for this weekend? Because I know I'm going to need it or whatever. Maybe, you know, I'm not promoting alcohol drinking necessarily, but just saying, you know, <laughs> finding whatever it is for you that works uh, with your support staff, right? Yeah. I mean, this takes a village. And I talk about that all the time. It's it's and we're going to go back to communication here, but it's about asking for help because no one can read your mind. No one's going to say, oh, Sarah, what do you need help with today? Nobody's saying that to me. I have to raise my hand and say, I need some help with this. Here's how you could help me. And that can be a neighbor, a friend, a, a colleague, you know. Oh my gosh, my my child is sick. I need to go home early. Can you take that meeting for me? You know, we're all in this together. We've got to help each other. But it, it goes back to being able to be reciprocal with people too. You know, I'm going to do you a favor. Can can you do this for me? I'll do this for you. You know, we've just got to be good colleagues and and, right. and human beings at the end of the day. It's actually <laughs> quite simple. <laughs> but we're afraid to do it because it shows like a weakness. And um, we're so afraid to say no. We're so afraid to say I need help because we feel like we're not good enough. And so that's where I'm right. really trying to help people to say, you know, what are the things that are your priorities? What are the things that you're going to work on that at the end of the day, you're going to feel like, ah, oh, I did enough today. I can relax tonight. I can be done with my email at 6 p.m. because I got the right things done and I feel great about it. All right. So let's talk about, and and this one's one I'm not great at as well. Um, and that is time blocking because you talked about, you know, kind of fitting things into your calendar. So how do we best reorganize our calendars to make sure that we're blocking off time, not only to get the things done and to be more productive, but also so that we're getting that nice, you know, back end relief me time, right. To shut off and to kind of reassess what we need to do for ourselves as well. Exactly. And you'll laugh, but this is something I also hear all the time. I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to write the book. I want to go buy a new car. The I just want us. I just want us is a a dangerous, dangerous thing. (laughs) Exactly. But what happens is people aren't taking any time to work on those particular items. So they're saying, I want to launch a blog for my business. Oh, great. Did you... Did you start writing a blog today? No, I didn't. I checked my email all day long because all of these, I call them fires, all of these fires came up and I had to deal with those things. Well, of course you did because you didn't have any time on your schedule to write the blog, right? And that's just a, a an example, but I hear it all the time. And so the critical thing is you need time and you need focused attention to work on your goals. It's quite simple. <laughs> but it's something that we miss all the time. So tactically, what I recommend to people is that they pick three things to work on tomorrow. So you're looking at that action list. These are all the things that I'm able to take action on. I'm gonna pick three priorities for the next day. And I recommend people do this at the end of the day, sort of like a cool down, right? If you're working out, you're going hard, your heart rate's up, you take a few minutes to cool down. And it's the same with work. Right now, a lot of us are working from home and there's no real transition from working to home. And so I I came up with this cool down concept to really help people ease out of the day. And one of the things is pick your three priorities for tomorrow, write them down, and then physically block out time on your schedule to get those things done. And that's really, really like a, a, a step that can't be missed because if you don't have the time blocked out, your email or a phone call or Slack, somebody's going to derail your day. 
Yeah, especially on Mondays, right? It seems to be that like the entire world has just gone berserk on Mondays. Yeah. And then, you know, as we tail as we trail off to the to the weekend, we all kind of reset. And then, you know, I'll get to it on Monday. I'll, yeah. I'll put that on Monday. Well, and it's why I actually recommend people do this on Friday. A, a big, we were talking about earlier, a big brain dump, a big structuring of your schedule for the next week. And some people recommend doing it on Monday, but I think Mondays get too crazy and too Monday's derailed. too crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing with Friday afternoons is we're kind of done on Friday afternoon, right? Our brains are fried. We're like, oh, the sun's shining. Maybe I'll duck out a little early. Yeah. There's things that we just are. We, the high level work is hard to do on a, on a Friday afternoon, especially as we're approaching spring and summer. So what I recommend is people block out some time on Friday afternoon to really plan out their week when are you working on these critical things? When is your brain the best? Are you great first thing in the morning? Are you better after lunch? Those should be the times on your calendar that you're working on your critical actions, your priorities, and those become non-negotiable. You would not cancel the meeting with your boss, but you would cancel the meeting on your priorities. And so that's what I'm trying to help people. Like those are just as important as the big meeting with a big client. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I think this has been a, a great episode in terms of, if nothing else, it's been very cathartic for me to get a lot of stuff off my chest about productivity issues that I've had. Um, but I know you have a guest uh, offer for the listeners that we'll get to in a second. I do also want to cover your podcast that you're a part of, Heroic Council, yes. which you can find by going to superheroinstitute.org forward slash heroic. Yes. So tell us about the podcast. What are the topics that you cover on the podcast and who are your uh, co-founders and co-hosts? Yeah, we have so much fun on this podcast. So we talk about a little bit of everything, branding, leadership, culture. Uh, I've got a marketing background. So we do marketing sales. We obviously talk about productivity, um, working with clients. So we're really covering all kinds of different topics that are important to business leaders. And We've got a great team here. So we've got Jeff Gibbard, who is a brand and business strategist. He just wrote a book about leadership that's coming out next year. Oh, awesome. That's great. He's amazing. You've got Parshel Tashi, who is a videographer who helps coaches develop uh, video courses, digital video courses. Tim Uli, who's a UX UI designer web designer, photographer, videographer. And then you've got me. I'm an ex-chief marketing officer uh, with a lot of experience in management, leadership, and, and, and leading businesses. And now I'm a productivity coach. So you've got these four people who just have this very diverse background. And so we we hit on a topic, but we, we attack it from so many different perspectives. And I, I think it's really helpful to many different kinds of entrepreneurs because we're all looking at this from a different angle. Yeah, that's awesome. And so again, that's superheroinstitute.org forward slash heroic. Check out that podcast. I'm sure you can find it on Apple Podcasts as well. Yes. Subscribe to that, drop a review. I'm sure based on this episode that those podcast episodes have got to be fantastic. So let's talk about the offer that you have for listeners of this particular episode as well. Yeah, thanks so much. So we talked a lot about setting priority days and the questions to ask. So I've got a guide, which is the 10 questions to ask when setting priorities. So this is a real simple PDF that I recommend you have you know, printed out or saved on your desktop. And you can just reference this when something comes at you and you're going, 
Is this a priority? Should it be? What do I do with this? You could just run through this list of 10 questions and that'll give you a pretty clear uh, yes or no answer on uh, if that should become a priority for you. So you can find that at so-productive.com slash priorities. Awesome. And so Sarah, if people want to check out So Productive, they can go to www.so-productive.com. You'll hear all about Sarah. You can see Sarah's uh, services that you offer and, and book a coaching session through that website, right? Yeah, absolutely. And then I'm really active on Instagram, so.productive. And I'm on LinkedIn all the time. So happy to connect with people there as well. Awesome. Awesome. Sarah, thank you so much for sharing everything with us. Thank you. Thanks for having me.